Hey, thank you for listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are streamed. You can also visit PraiseChapelLasVegas.com and follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas to stay connected with PCLV. Thank you again for listening. Here comes today's message. Having us, praise the Lord. It's um, it's always uh, a joy to minister the gospel, amen, and uh, share God's word, amen. So thank you so much, Pastor Eric, amen, for having us. And uh, so grateful, amen. I just, you know, worshiping with you guys. And uh, man, I just, I tell you, there's nothing like worshiping the Lord, right? I mean, I'm serious, man. I just, I, I love to worship the Lord. I love to come to the house of the Lord. Uh, I, 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 I love gathering with believers, amen. Is this on? Yeah, test us. Okay, praise God. You know, um, I want you to stand with me real quick. I'm going to pray. And um, and uh, I just want you to close your eyes with me. Praise the Lord. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord right now. I know we've been praying. If you're able to, I don't know if you can. I, if you can't, don't worry. If you can, let's get on our knees real quick before the Lord. If you don't mind. If, 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 if you can, if you can't, don't worry. Just sit down. That's okay. On the chair. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, Almighty God. Father, we just humble ourselves before you this night, God. We just want to say thank you, Lord, for just another opportunity to come together as sons and daughters. Lord God, to worship you. And I pray that tonight, God, that, Lord, that the message you placed in my heart, Lord, that it would minister to all the leaders here in a very personal and in a very powerful way, God. I pray that even when the challenges go forth, that it would not be received in a way that it's an attack, but in a way that brings challenge, that brings change, God. And so I pray that tonight, God, that, that you would minister to everyone in a very personal and in a very powerful way, God. I pray that you would move in this place in such a supernatural way that even 10 years from now, they can look back and say, my life was forever changed at that leader's meeting. And in order for that to happen, there has to be a supernatural move by you, Holy Spirit, in a very personal way. And so I pray over everyone right now for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, God. Let the eyes of everyone's understanding be enlightened and give everyone ears to hear what you are saying to them personally. For, Lord, you have a personal word for everyone in here. And so I pray give them ears to hear. Give them ears to hear. I pray that minds would not wander, but that, Lord, everyone would be attentive, Lord, and be focused and hungry and be ready to receive, God. And so, Lord, we worship you. And, Lord, I confess before my brothers and sisters, Lord, my uttermost dependency upon you. For, Lord, I know that apart from you I can do nothing, but through you I can do all things. And so, Lord, I receive the anointing, the wisdom, and the words to speak tonight. And I thank you, Holy Spirit. I don't have to worry about what I'll say in this hour because you'll give me the words to speak. And together in this house, we pray for your kingdom to come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In this house, we declare, Jesus, you are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. And we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Come on. Amen. It's a good thing when men and women of God get on their knees before God. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, I have a video I'm going to show, but I'm not, not just yet. I really felt that I, 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 this is not even a part of my message. But I, but I, I really felt to just say this real quickly before I minister, and uh, I really believe that this is something for everybody. Honestly, you know, uh, sometimes God will give a, a a word that's for individuals, but I really feel like this is something that uh, for for everyone that's sitting here tonight. I just really felt in my spirit to just share this for a second, and that is, uh, you know, and this may sound so simple, but it's so true. And the this, this simple thing is this. I feel like the Lord is saying to all of you guys, man, trust him. And I know that sounds so, so simple. But let me tell you something. I guarantee you right now, whatever you're going through, I don't care what it is. That If you get to the root of what the struggle is, if you get to the root of what the problem is, it's a lack of trust. In some way, in some, some way somehow, 
It's a lack of trust. Maybe trusting his timing, trusting his power, trusting his word, trusting his ways. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? And, 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 and if I were to search deep, deep, deep inside of the real you, are you hearing what I'm saying? There's areas inside of the real you that you're struggling with. And it's an area you're not trusting God fully in. Am I right or wrong? You know I'm right. Come on now. And that's the truth. And, 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 and I want to just share this real quickly with you. In my early years of being saved, I had really this, I, I was struggling with trusting God completely. I mean, I trusted him 99.9999%. You understand what I'm saying here? But if this was a dam right here, like a, like a Hoover Dam or something, right? And there was just a speck that was a hole, a 0.001% hole in that wall. Would water get through? Water would get through, right? And you may be trusting God 99.99%. But there's that 0.001% where maybe you're doubting God. And what you don't realize is that little percent of doubting is a place of access for the enemy to manipulate and to feed and, and attack that area of doubt. And that area of doubt is a place of where the enemy freely runs or is a realm for him to uh, have access to 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 speak into to manipulate to uh, tear you down to paralyze you to slow you down. You hear what I'm saying? And it's not until you can get to a place in that place of doubt that you cross over and trust that the door is closed to the enemy. But when you can, because when you can cross over and trust, there's no more access for him. Does that make sense? And so you got to close the door. And so a lot of times people will say, I want to trust God. And let me tell you something. I, I, I uh, went through a season early in my years where I walked with God. And, and, and like I said, I, I said, man, I, 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 I want to trust you, God. I, I want to trust you. How do I trust you? And man, the Holy Spirit spoke to me this so clearly. I, it was revolutionary for me. You know what he told me? I said, Lord, I want to trust you. I don't know how. You know what the Holy Spirit said to me? He said, trust is a choice. And I, and I was like, wow, I never heard no one in my whole life say that. But he said, trust is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's not something you work up. It's a choice. And then all of a sudden, uh, years down the line, I started seeing in the Psalms, David, and they're saying, I will trust the Lord. I will trust the Lord. I will trust the Lord. It was a choice. It wasn't a feeling. It wasn't something that, you understand what I'm saying? It's a choice. And so that's what I'm trying to say to you, that all of you tonight, in the, in, the, in, the, in, in the face of what you're facing, you need to declare, I will trust the Lord. I will trust his word. I will trust his timing. I will trust his power. I will trust whatever it is, that you're, you're, the area you're battling with, I will trust the Lord. Your situation may look one way, but you gotta, but you got to realize that, that God's word is the final answer. When we walk by faith, it doesn't deny circumstances at hand. It just doesn't accept it to be the final answer if it does not line up with God's word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God's word is my final answer. See, here's, 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 here's a little side note. When you don't trust God, you're basically calling him a liar. You hear what I just said? This is why if you look in Hebrews chapter 3, it says that, that talking about the children of Israel, that they departed from him with an evil heart of unbelief. Why is, why is, um, why is unbelief evil? Because unbelief is basically saying, God, you're a liar. Unbelief is basically saying, I don't believe that you'll keep your word. Unbelief is basically saying, I don't trust you. I don't believe you have the power. I don't believe that you can make this happen. I don't believe, I don't believe your word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so that's why it's an evil heart. That's why we say, God, you know what? Forgive me for my unbelief. And then some of that are struggling. Say, you can be honest with the Lord. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Like the father who had that son, amen, who was demon-possessed. And even when he confessed that, the Lord still brought deliverance to his life. 
because he was real. God has no problem with you being real with him. The Bible says, cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. So he wants you to be real with him. He already knows how you feel. He just wants you to confess it. Why? Because if you confess, you start getting it out. Starts getting out. The doubt gets out. You see what I'm saying? And then when you start releasing it, amen, then all of a sudden he can minister to it. But when you don't release it and you don't talk about it, then you keep the door closed. But the more you talk to God about it, the more you open up, the more you make room for God to bring breakthrough in your life. Does that make sense? You receive that? I want you to boldly declare, I will trust the Lord. Come on, say it again. I will trust the Lord. That's it. You, you just need to do that. And right now in the face, I will trust the Lord. I don't care how I feel. I don't care what the circumstance looks like. I will trust the Lord. Amen? Now tonight, I, 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 I'm I going to minister a message that I've, just, I, I've titled, Disciples Make Disciples. And I feel like this is one of the most important messages, especially for leaders to hear. And and and, and I'm going to, before I really minister, I'm going to show a quick little two-minute video. Amen. And uh, go ahead and put it on the screen. Okay. Ever wondered why Jesus' last command to his committed followers was to make disciples of all nations? Have you ever wondered what it would look like if Christ's most committed followers today actually carried forth that command according to the standards set forth in the New Testament by Christ and the Twelve? If an evangelist were to reach a thousand people a day for Christ in a frozen population rate, can you imagine how long it would take to reach the world for Jesus Christ? Just over 15,000 years. And imagine the spiritual maturity of these new converts, most of whom receive no real follow-up or discipleship and end up never reaching their full potential in Christ. However, if a committed follower of Christ, we'll call him Paul, were to disciple a new believer for one year, we'll call him Timothy, to the extent that Timothy matures in Christ until he is able to disciple another. For as Luke 6.40 says, the student will become like his teacher. So then, in year two, Timothy has become a disciple himself and takes on his first student while Paul takes on another student. By the third year, our Paul is discipling his third student while our Timothy is discipling his second student, and our newest student is now able to make disciples as well. If the cycle is not broken, a spiritual downline is created which multiplies to the ends of the earth. Even at an accurate and growing population rate, do you know how long it would take in such a scenario to reach the entire world for Jesus Christ? Just under 37 years. And now imagine the spiritual maturity of these believers, all of whom have been equipped to both be and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. This is why Christ's last command to his followers is not to make converts, but to make disciples of all nations. Praise the Lord. Amen. I hope that you really grab a hold of what was just said in that video there. It's, it's showing us that one person is not the answer for world evangelism. Amen. Even if the person won a thousand people a day to Christ, they're still not the answer. The answer is one discipling one, discipling one who disciples one. And this person continues. So it's like me, if I disciple my brother here, right, for one year, and then all of a sudden he goes and disciples Oscar here, right, and then I go over here to Pastor Sonny, and I disciple him, and just one, and all of a sudden Pastor Sonny goes to my brother here, disciples him, one, and then he continues to one, and he continues one, and that process, and that continues just one discipling, one discipling, one. Come on, we're part of Praise Chapel. We have a, there's an old saying in our fellowship, win one, build one, send one, right? But how many of us are really keeping that? You hear what I'm saying? And th th that really is the answer. Mathematically, that is the answer. It's even proof, mathematically, that that is the answer to win the world for Jesus Christ. Now, the Great Commission involves two main things. Amen? I want to stress that. Mark 16, 15, and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things and, 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 and that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you 
even to the end of the ages. Amen. So we see that the Great Commission is really broken up into two main areas. Go and preach the gospel and go make disciples. Listen to me. One is done outside the church and the other is done inside the church. One is for unbelievers and the other is for believers. Okay, I want to stress that. Now, my focus today is on discipleship, but before I really get into that, I want to ask all of you that are leaders here a few questions. And again, these are questions not to take jabs at you, but these are questions to challenge you and to stir you to action. Is that what we need? Right? And so before, I want to, I want to ask you a couple questions here. And the first question would be this. I want to ask you, when was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? I just want you to think about that. When was the last time you personally shared the gospel with someone? How about this? When was the last time you won someone to Christ? Okay? When was the last time you led somebody to Christ? How about let's take it even a step further. When was the last time you won someone to Christ and then discipled them? I want you to really think about that. And these are important questions to ask ourselves and to be honest with when we examine these questions. And the reason why we need to is because, man, the reality is, as in the body of Christ as a whole, I hate to say it, but those numbers, those answers are really sad. One statistic says this, according to one statistic, 95% of all Christians have never won someone to the Lord. 95% of people, 95% of Christians. 80% of Christians never share their, uh, 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 never even share their faith. 80%. That means 8 out of 10 people that come to our churches, amen, have never even shared their faith. 2% of all Christians are active in evangelism ministries at their church. Call a church outreach, we get two people show up. Sixty-three percent of all leadership has never hasn't led one stranger to Jesus in the last two years through the method of go ye into all the world. Forty-nine percent of all church leadership spends zero time in an average week ministering outside of the church. What does this tell me? We get caught up in our own lives. We're busy doing our own thing. We're caught up just in church business, so to speak. And we don't want to get like the, 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 the Pharisee or the scribes in the story of the Good Samaritan who sees the person on the side of the road just struggling and just walks right by him. Right? We need to be like the Good Samaritan who stops and ministers to that person. I mean, 100%. See, I know this is not even really, this is really a little side of my note, my message here. But what I want to encourage you guys, I want to challenge you guys with this, is that evangelism needs to be a lifestyle. That everywhere you go and everything you do, you're ministering to folks wherever you go. That it's just a part of your lifestyle. You're always carrying flyers, always carrying tracks on you. You ought to feel naked if you don't have tracks on you or flyers. You always should have your church flyers on you. You always should have some tracks on you. And if you don't, you should feel like, man, I, you know, don't leave home without it. Like the old, old American Express, right? You know what I mean? That, that, that commercial, don't leave home without it. That's how we need to be with flyers and tracks. Amen. Right? And so it has to become a lifestyle. And listen to me. I, I want to say this. As the leadership, you are the tone setters for the ministry. Listen to me. You are the culture setters for the church. You catching that? What you do, the others will follow to do. Uh, you know, it, it, there's no saying. We're a reflection of our leadership. That's a true statement. You hear what I'm saying? What I do constantly as a pastor, I take honest examinations of myself, of where I'm really at, how I am as a leader, how our ministry can continue to 
uh, improve, not in a way to beat myself up like, oh, man, we're just terrible. No, 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 in a way that's constructive, right, to really help and, and take honesty and say, man, you know, we can improve here. We can grow here. Or we've been slacking here. You know, wow, we've been kind of let up a little here. We need, we need to get back up with this. You understand what I'm saying? It's important to do that. Are you hearing me today? So I, I, I just, I just want to encourage you guys to know that you are the tone setters. Amen? You are the culture setters of the churches. So I know there's a few churches here that I represent right now. You guys are leaders there. And you are the ones who set the tone. Amen? Now, the first thing Jesus said to many of his disciples was, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Key word there, make. And one of the last things he says to, uh, to all of them was go and make disciples, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. So he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And then after discipling them for three years, he says, now you go and make disciples. Why? Because before you can go make a disciple, you have to be discipled. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So before you can go make a disciple, you have to be discipled. There, there's, there's a process that every one of us has to go through. And the problem is, in too, in too much of today, in the body of Christ, is there's so many that want to skip the process. And what they're doing, what they don't realize is when you skip the process, that you're in, in the end, you're cheating yourself and those you're to lead. That's because what happens, we live in this microwave generation, right? We, everything's just so like quick, right? You know, we want to just, just skip the process. I've, I've, been, I've been serving the Lord now for over 21 years. I've, you know, we've planted many churches. I've traveled all around the world. I'm, I've, I've preached to thousands, literally. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and I'm telling you, I've seen a lot. And I see those who do great things for God. That I've seen those uh, that, 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 that skip the process and they're like firecrackers. On fire, where'd they go? Right? What happened to them? Just so see them over there speaking in tongues and Sean doing and you know shouting, running around. What happened? Are you hear what I'm saying? What happened? Skip the process. You understand? God is doing something every day. Don't skip the process. There's things that God's doing. You know, when you spend time with Him daily in prayer, He's molding and shaping you when you're reading the word he's molding and shaping you when you're going to church sunday weekend and week out he's doing something inside of you when you're in a part of a local body and you have differences in the local body he's still working in you listen to me god reveals the imperfections in you through the imperfections of others you know what i just said you, he, gets, he shows you how spiritual you really are by your responses, right? This is true. I've, I teach this to our people all the time. God, God reveals the imperfections in us through the imperfections of others. How people act and how we respond to them is going to reveal where we're really at. We can claim all these spiritual things, but how we respond is the truth. How we respond is really revealing Wow, you know what? That brother got some anger issues. Well, that sister, you know what? You're a little short temper right there. Well, I mean, you know, you ain't got a leadership title, but you got some flesh problems. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Right? Or it can reveal, wow, I've gotten real far. Before I'd knock a dude out, now I just love on him. <laughs> right? You hear what I'm saying? It, it, it reveals things. Right? It reveals where you're really at. And so this is the Bible says so you can tell a tree by its fruit, right? So, so again, my point of saying that is that all these things God molds and shapes, right? In this time, there's a process of being discipled, uh, being, uh, 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 you know, the day in, day out things with, with church and, and on so forth. And you don't want to skip that process because what God is doing today is really preparing you for tomorrow. I always tell everybody, you know what, your tomorrow starts today. You, got, you know what I'm saying? Your tomorrow starts today. What God is doing inside of your life right now is really preparing you for your future. You've got to get this in your spirit. 
There's a purpose for everything. Amen? Now I kind of went off and left field right there, but I, I hope you get that. Don't skip the process. Tell your neighbor, don't skip the process. You know, I, I, when I was a leader in my mother church, I served in every area. And you know what? And God used every ministry to, do, uh, to, 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 to mold and shape things in my life. To prepare me one day when, I, when we went to go pastor over 12 years ago. That I, and by the grace of God, and I, I, I mean this in nothing as in our own ability, but in God and what he produced in our life. But when we went to start a pastor, it was an easy thing. To go pastoring, it, was not, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't a hard thing for us to go do. Because of all the, the things that we went, got all the work, all the mold and shaping that God did in our life for the nine years of my mother church before we got sent out. We didn't skip the process. You understand what I'm saying? So it wasn't a hard thing. Now I mean that like like our ability. No, no, no. It was it's all him. And but what he produced in us. It's kind of like the child. If you just, you know, if, if a kid child came out of a womb and you just kicked him out of the house and go survive, they're like, dang, I'm jacked up. But if you raised your child correctly, taught them manners, taught them responsibilities, taught them how to work, then all of a sudden when they go to go live on their own, they already know how to handle bills. They already know how to do life. It's not going to be hard for me to move out. Does that make sense? Okay. Praise God. Let me move on. Don't skip the process. Now, if we're going to grow following the biblical pattern that's given to us, we must all go through the process of being discipled. Now, during the, those three years, Jesus showed them the most effective ways to make disciples by the way he discipled them. That's why looking at how Jesus discipled them is key for us to learn how to make disciples. And that's what we're going to do today. Now, you may be wondering, what is discipleship? You may not wonder that. Maybe they do. But after being saved for many years, this is kind of the, the, the description uh, I've put together for discipleship. And pay attention to this. It's the process by which one person imparts what's in them into another. The goals of discipleship are to help individuals develop a strong personal relationship with the Lord, become more like Him in every area of their lives, prepare them to walk out their callings, and to make them a disciple-maker. Disciples making disciples. This is very important. See, for these reasons, true discipleship is the most important thing that needs to start taking place in any new convert's life. Now, the making of a disciple takes three. One doing the discipling and the other being discipled. One imparting and the other one receiving. And who's the third person? It's the Holy Spirit who helps, amen, both the, the disciple and the discipler in the process. Now, I, I'm just going to hit a little side notes here. The one being discipled, listen to me, must be submissive and teachable because if they're not, discipleship can't even take place. So if, if, if this person here, amen, is the disciple and I'm the discipler and I'm trying to impart in their life, but they, amen, they, 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 they're not being teachable, they're not submissive, then discipleship can't even take place. All they're hitting is a wall there. And let me even throw this out there. If this person's offended with me, the person trying to disciple them, there's already going to be a wall there, and I can't even disciple them. This is why, listen to me, I'm just throwing this out there. This is why the enemy will always try to get you offended with your pastor. Because if you're offended with your pastor, then he can't even speak into your life because that offense is a wall. This is why you've got to guard your heart, guard your mind, your mouth, your heart, guard everything, and never. Allow yourself to be offended with your pastors or the leaders that speak it into your life. Many times I had many opportunities to be offended with my pastor, but I refused to because I know it would be a wall and it would prevent him from speaking my life. And think about it. The pastor is the one preaching every week. He's the one counseling you. He's the one speaking into your life. And if you're offended with him, then you can't even receive from him. Guard yourself because the enemy will always try to throw little fiery darts. And if you haven't had them yet, you'll get them. You'll get them. And it's just those little subtle ones. Just a little subtle. What is up with that? Subtle. And if you let that go, that, that thought go unchecked, it'll take root and start growing. And all of a sudden, you're tripping. 
<laughs> huh? All right. I just speak the truth. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Can you bear witness with a brother? Amen. <laughs> huh? Now, there are different levels of discipleship. There was different levels of discipleship with Jesus. We got to catch this. There was different levels of discipleship with Jesus. There was the crowds. There was the 70. There was the 12. There was the three. There was the one. And listen to me. The only thing that differentiated these, these groups here was their hunger for Christ. Listen to me. It wasn't that Jesus wanted to be more closer with one than the other. No, he wanted to be close with all of them. It was the disciples that chose how close they were going to be with Christ. Let me prove to you this. Jesus, he would preach to the crowds. He would preach to the masses. And, you know, a lot of the crowds, they got their quota. I heard my sermon. I got my message. You know, I clock in, clock out. I didn't even understand what the preacher said, but I'm still leaving. It's all good. I went to church. Right? They, that, that's, that's the crowds there, right? And they would hear the message, and they didn't even understand. Amen. At times what Jesus would say. But the disciples, right, the apostles, right, they were like, man, you know what? I, I don't even understand what he said, but I'm not okay with just going home not understanding. So what would they do? They would go to him and say, Lord, uh, what do you mean by this? Let me give you an example. Mark 4, 10 through 11, it says, but when he was alone, those around uh, him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you, he said to them, to you, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to those on the outside, uh, on the outside, all things come in parables. So he says, look, you're coming to me in hunger, and because of your hunger, to you it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Right? The crowd, they were okay with not knowing, but they were like, you know what? I, I, I got to understand. I got to, what are you talking about here? So what does this show me? It shows me that there's an aspect on the, 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 the disciple needs to chase after the discipler to be really imparted to. You know, I, I, I've discipled many, many, many men. Some are doing tremendous things for the kingdom of God. Some, they're just doing the same old, same old. But what was the difference? It was their hunger to chase after me. It was, it was their hunger to keep asking me questions, to keep drawing from me, keep pulling from me. Questions pull things out of people. They asked him, you know, about the parable. And he says, to you, it's been granted on the mystery of the kingdom. They asked questions. They were seeking to learn. They were not just satisfied with clocking in and clocking out. You got to get that. You, you, got, you got to hear this. Amen? And so, and so with that being said, you got to chase after. Even though that I'm speaking to leaders right here, guess what? Discipleship hasn't stopped because you became a leader. You didn't all of a sudden just arrive and like, oh, I don't need to disciple no more. That, you know, that's just for them, you know. I am a leader, capital L, you know what I mean? Right? I, I, you know what I'm saying? No. You know what? There's different levels of discipleship. Y yeah, you don't need to be discipled as a new convert no more, in Jesus' name, right? <laughs> right? You need to be discipled as a leader. Right? I disciple I disciple new people, and I disciple pastors today. I mean, I, I disciple all different groups of people right now, right? And each of them, uh, each of them, uh, the, their needs are different. I'm not speaking to the pastors the way I'm speaking to a new convert. But I'm still speaking. There's still discipleship. I hear what I'm saying. It's just different levels, different things that there's need of. And so never get to the place that you, you know, like thinking you have arrived. No, you, you ought to bug your pastors. I know, you're like, stop saying that, praise God. Hey. But you ought to be a bugaboo. You ought to be calling them. You ought to be asking, texting them, what does this scripture mean? What does this mean? Uh, you know, how do you do this? How do you, you know what I'm saying? You, you ought to be asking questions if you really want to grow. Amen? You have pastors, amen, that have been around for a long time. 
They, 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 they've been around the block a few times. You hear what I'm saying? They know some things. And you ought to draw from them. Amen? So, so even though I'm speaking to leaders here, continue to draw from them. Draw from your pastors. It's very important. Amen? Does this make sense? It's kind of like my intro. <laughs> I got, I'm not going to finish this. No, no way. I'm, not even, I'm just going to hit what I can hit. Praise God. <laughs> now, after you've been properly discipled, you need to go make a disciple. Okay? Because that's the ultimate goal for discipleship. Disciples making disciples. And this is what you want to be able, this is what you want to create in the churches here is a culture of discipleship. Hear me. You know, in, in our churches, the ones that I oversee, it's a, it, it, it's a culture of discipleship. It, it, and it doesn't happen overnight. You know, it, it, it takes time to create this culture. Because the reality is this. You know, like in our ministry right now, we're, we're, we're in a place where we're hitting third, fourth level discipleships. Disciples making disciples, making disciples, making disciples. It's just in that place now. But it didn't, it, it, but, but it took time to get to that place. You know, I, I, I really look about, I think about four years ago, five years ago, the Lord just started pressing upon my heart. Stop worrying about, you know, uh, all the different people, you know, coming and seeing that. Just focus on the people in the house. And I, started, I just started focusing on the men in the house. And, and man, I just started just, you know, started meeting with them, really just started being intentional, uh, really just started really being intentional with discipleship with the men in our, in our churches. And praise God, it just, you know what it did? It just started, it, they started getting imparted to. Leadership started getting developed. Men of God became strong. And all of a sudden, you know, now they're making disciples and, and so forth. And the church just naturally grows when there's discipleship taking place. You hear what I'm saying? Yes, we outreach. Yes, we evangelize. But what I'm saying is that, you know, what ends up happening is when there's, when there's a culture of discipleship, when there's a structured culture of discipleship, your back door doesn't become so big. You understand what I mean by that? We have so many people that come and go, and they don't stay. And the reason why is because we don't have a plan for them. The reason why is because, you know, <laughs> We don't have a plan on how to get them discipled. We just hope someday they're just going to just, you know, sit and lock in. That's, we're setting ourselves up for failure. So a lot of times, I, you know, I, when I go, I, I minister to a lot of churches. I, I sit with a lot of pastors. Praise God, you know what I mean? And, and, I, and, I, and I ask questions. I challenge them. What's your plan? What's your vision for the person who walks through the door? You know what I'm saying? We have a vision. It's called Win, Build, Send. And so when Bill send should be the vision for everyone who walks through that door. But how do we make it happen? It sounds good. It looks good. But how are we making when Bill send take place in every single person's life that walks through the doors? We don't have a plan for it, and it's just going to be church as usual. And we could be having the best preachers. Powerful worship. Presence of God so strong. If we don't have a plan for people, we're just going to have the same old, same old. Does this make sense? Amen? So it's important that we have a plan. I know I'm a little left field there, but we have to have a plan. Amen? And it takes all of you. You are the culture setters. You are the one who sets the tone for the home that you're in. Amen? Listen to me. Discipleship produces leadership. And a church can only handle, a ministry can only grow to the capacity of its leadership. That's the truth. A ministry can only grow to the capacity of its leadership. If a hundred people if walk through the church doors that you're at tomorrow, could you handle them? We would love it, but can we handle them? We would, we, can, we would love it, but can we actually help them? 
can we actually disciple them? Do we actually have enough to actually nourish them? See what I'm saying? So what happens is we, we have to be prepared for the harvest. Don't, don't wait for the harvest, then try to be prepared. No, prepare, then the harvest will come. And it will stay. So you got to build from within. So when they do come in, it's already functioning, flowing. There's a culture. And they just come right in. Does that make sense? I want to say this. If, if, if those you disciple don't go and make a disciple, then discipleship in their life is incomplete. This is, a, this, is, this is what happens in a lot of churches. Believe me, this is what happens a lot. It'll just, it's a lot of just first-level discipleship. It's just the pastor to that person. But, it's, but rarely is it from this person to another. And that's not, that's not, that's not okay. Because, again, if we're going to really grow and multiply... This one has to go make a disciple who trains them, trains this one enough so that they go make a disciple. Are you getting this? Because if we don't, then again, we're just going to stay. We ain't going nowhere. This is why Jesus' plan is so amazing. Because it, it's, it's, it's a simple plan. We try to complicate things. <laughs> I just stick to the script. He knows best. Who, who in here knows better than Jesus? Raise your hand. No one. Let me help you. No one does. So if we don't know better than him, let's just stick to the script. Preach the gospel, make disciples. Win, build, send. Real simple. Right? All right. So some practical steps. First one you can do is real simple, is the personal touch. I think all discipleship starts with this, the personal touch. I believe the foundation of all discipleship is the personal touch. Because through that, everything else falls into place. This is what Jesus started with. This is the model of Jesus. Watch, look at the model of Jesus right here. Watch this. Matthew, right? Is that Matthew or Mark? Mark 2, 13 through 17. Watch this. Look at the model here. This is the example Jesus sets for us. He went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. Now watch this. And he passed by and he saw Levi, the son uh, of, of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. It's a picture of conversion. Right? Now it happened, as he was dining at Levi's house, that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Watch this. Pay attention. Before Jesus even started imparting to Levi or Matthew, his life, teaching him doctrine and, and other things. He started by building a relationship with him. Catch that? He started by building a relationship with him. Now I'm sure, of course, as they sat together, they, they had to have talked about things of God, of course, while they're eating. Of course. Of course, right? But my point is, is that Jesus, right off the bat, started with fellowshipping with him, eating with him. Breaking bread. Why? Because one of the best ways to build a relationship is around a table of food. Right? Think about it, right? <laughs> our, our relationships are strong in our churches because of, of, of being around a table of food, right? We, at Praise Chapel, we specialize in That's why I got the nickname Pork Chapel, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, we, 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 you know we, that's it, Pork Chapel, praise God, you know? You know what we ought to do? We ought to take before and after pictures of people. You, got, you know, right when you got saved, Right when you got in, and then, and then you know, a year later, two later, you know what I mean? Like, whoa. <laughs> Discipleship, right? You know, through the years, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? Are you hearing what I'm saying? A 
it's proof. You know, we exchange the drugs for tacos. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> for burritos, right? Praise God, you know? Right? You hear what I'm saying? But, 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 the, but the point is, is that fellowship is something that's, you know what? I'm going to tell you this. And, and again, and this is not putting myself on any kind of pedestal. Uh, I minister all kind of churches all around the world. You know what's so amazing about Praise Chapel? It doesn't matter what Praise Chapel you go to all around the world, in the States and everywhere, we have a culture of fellowship. It's unique. Everywhere we go, we feel like family. Everywhere we go, it's just like there's, 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 a, there's a love. You know what? Don't lose that. You guys, I love you in the church. Yeah, we come, we feel like family. You know, it's like, you know, it's like a preach like preach. You know, it's like it's family. Praise God. You know what I mean? You know? Right? And, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. But my point is, is that others need to feel this. They'll walk through the doors. Amen? Now I want you to think about something. Jesus must have seemed so different to Matthew than from the other religious, uh, uh, the other religious leaders. When, think about this. We see in our text that the Pharisees and scribes wanted nothing to do with, with, with Matthew, right? Because he was a tax collector, because he was a sinner. Matthew collected taxes for Rome, and Jews hated the tax collectors because they had a reputation for taking more money, amen, and adding it to their own wealth. And this is why Jesus must have seemed different. Think about this. Unlike the religious leaders, he was willing to go to his house, sit down, and eat with them. Think about this. Uh, you got to just really imagine this. Levi, Matthew. Everywhere he went, he was frowned upon. Everywhere he went, they didn't like him. Everywhere. Catch this. The religious leaders, they just feel like, ugh, sinner, right? But Jesus comes and sits with him. Could you imagine? He's sitting here and he's talking to him. He's not judging him. He's not condemning him. He's just being a friend to him, breaking bread with him. You don't think Matthew was like, this is crazy. This religious leader, he's not condemning me. <clears throat> he wants to sit down and have fellowship with me. He wants to be my friend. He don't care about my past. He don't care about me, my, my reputation. He doesn't care about any of these things. You don't think it was touching his life? You, you don't think that it, it, it hit him like, like, whoa, this is crazy. You don't think it did? Of course it did. Right? And here's the point. Many people who walk through our church doors are just like Matthew. They have a past. They have a reputation. And you know what? This is how most people walk in the church. They're walking with a wall. Checking everybody out. Yeah, I heard about y'all Christians. <laughs> uh-huh. I know. They walk in like this. This is how they walk in the church. And it's love and concern for them that brings that wall down. You hear what I'm saying? When people realize that they're more to you than money, church attendance, that they're more to you than for your selfish gain, but that you actually care about them, this wall comes down and they let you in on who they really are. It's like the old saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Because we, we, we want to tell everybody what we know, right? We, 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 you know, we, we want to just preach to your brother, right? We want to tell them everything we know, right? But people, like, that's just like noise to them. And so they know, do you really care for me? If I know you really care for me, I'll let you know who I really am. And that's when real discipleship can start taking place. Because now all of a sudden, they're coming to you with their life. They're coming to you with their struggles. They're, they're, they're taking the mask off. And they're letting, they're letting you in on their struggles. They're letting you in on who they really are. And when that happens, now they're opening up to you to minister God's word, the counsel of God, amen, the wisdom of God. And you're able to impart, this is what you should do, this is what you need to do, and you're helping them. And what's taking place? Discipleship really starts taking place. You catching this? 
But where did it start? It started with relationship. Discipleship is relational. It's done up close. It's a life for a life. Discipleship is not done from a pulpit or even a classroom. Those have aspects. Those things are to add to discipleship in a person's life, not replace it. We have Bible school. We have classes. We have, you know, all these different things. But those things are not to replace discipleship. They're only to add to it. Does that make sense? This is important. Amen? And so, I want to stress this, that relationship. And this is very simple. I want to, you guys right here as the leaders, listen to me. You guys should be the first ones that are going up to the visitors when they, when they walk through these doors. You should be the first, you, you should be, this is the simplest way of, of how to get those who walk through those doors to, to, to really get touched by God. You know what? After church, invite them to come hang out with you. Invite them to be a part of your lunch, your fellowship. Hey, we're all, we're all going over here. You want to come with us? And then while you're sitting down breaking bread, you can just maybe share your testimony, talk to them, ask them a little about themselves, whatever. Ask them, do you have a Bible? If you don't have a Bible, you can download one for free. Show them how to on their phone. And then, then say, you know what, then we can get you one. Right? Then exchange phone numbers. Hey, I go to a Bible study. You want to come to mine this week? This is simple, right? Uh, you know what? I can, if you want, I can send you some scriptures this week to start reading. Right? Are you getting this? And you start falling. Then you start just building a relationship, and you and, and they start coming around. Or if they got just got saved, that's really important. But maybe they're just a visitor. Just get them. This is how you get them in the process of it. Be relational. I just gave you some so simple. Very practical, but the reality is many don't do that. And if it would be done, it'd revolutionize our churches. So simple. Amen? But you know sometimes why we don't do this, and I'm going to challenge you with this, is because discipleship, real discipleship, takes sacrifice. And this is why we rather just limit it to a classroom. Here, take the eight-week class. You got your discipleship certificate. Right? we rather we rather just, you know, do that because it, uh, it, to real discipleship takes getting your hands dirty. It's messy. It takes from your life. It takes from your free time. It's sacrifice. Pastor Art said servanthood. So what we need to be servants. Does this make sense? Is this helping you? It's challenging you. Amen. This is what we need to be, you know, doing. So let me just make a few more thoughts. I, I can go on and on and on. Your son knows. I got so much. I'm not even touching none of it, huh? <laughs> Barely anything. Let me just go real quickly here. I just want to say this real quick. A uh, few things, real, real quickly. The next thing that I really want to stress to all of you that's so important is exampleship. Real quickly, exampleship. Before I move on to that, I just want to say this. When I talked about inviting someone out to lunch with you and exchanging numbers, same sex. Men disciple men, women disciple women. Okay? I just want to stress that. I just, just, you know, I just got to point that out. Okay? It's very important. Especially those who are married. You know, when, when, when people... You know what, hey, if, if, if a woman comes your way and you're married, hey, let me tell you my, let me show you my wife. A man, hey, this is my husband. Let, let him speak to you. Let him call you. It, it's important. I, I got to stress that. You got to learn to set boundaries. If you don't have boundaries, then, 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 then you're going to open the door. And why is it so important to have same-sex discipleship? Is because there's too much emotions involved in discipleship. And, and things can get weird. You know, my husband's not like this, but you're such, I wish he was like you, such a man of God. I mean, you're so anointed, you know. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
say these things, man. Right? My pastor always told me, man, don't go behind closed doors with the opposite sex. The ladies in our church, churches, amen, they know you cannot come to my house, amen. If my wife ain't there, you know what I'm saying, they, 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 they knock on the door, you ain't coming in. God bless you. Yeah, you do not come in my house. It's the truth. You know what happens when people don't set those boundaries? They fall into sin. It's happened too many times to great, mighty men and women of God. They didn't set the boundaries. Amen? All right, praise God. Oh, gosh. Real quickly, real, real quickly. I just want to touch two things real quick, and I'm going to make them fast. But I have to touch this real quickly. Exampleship. Listen to me. The purpose of godly exampleship is to display a life, amen, a godly life in front of others to show them how to handle every situation. This is the purpose of it. Jesus, the Bible says in 1 Peter 2.21, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow His steps. Jesus' life was an example for us on how we ought to walk. His whole life on earth, His actions, His responses, His words, and His deeds were all examples of how a child of God should live in all situations. Are you hearing me? And, and, and we need to be example setters. Paul told this to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 12. Don't let, anyone, don't let anyone think less of you because of your age. Be, watch this, an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, in your purity. The Greek word for example here and this text means, text means model, image, idol, or, pa or pattern. Ideal, excuse me. Now, leaders, disciples must be example setters in all these areas. The different areas that are listed here are, are really a lifestyle. And what I want to stress to you is that you got to hear me. Because as you're having that personal touch and as you're discipling them, they're watching your life. They're watching everything you do and everything you say. They're watching how you treat your spouse. Oh, you can do that? <laughs> how you talk to them. The music you listen to. What kind of movies you watch. How you joke around. Oh, yeah. You know, when I was a new convert, <laughs> we had a whole bunch of, my, you know, we had some of my old homies and other people from the streets. We, we all got saved with a, a bunch of us in the first couple of years of our salvation. We'd have a Holy Ghost church service, and afterwards we'd all just fellowship together as new believers. And my gosh, we would be joking in ways that we shouldn't have been joking. And after I'm done fellowshipping, I'm having to repent. We're praising God on Sunday, right? And then go fellowship, and then I got to repent for the ways I'm joking, for the way I'm clowning around. I'm grieving the Holy Spirit by the jokes we're making, clowning on people, clowning on each other. That's how it is in the streets. We just clown, clown, clown. And then now all of a sudden we're bringing it in the world, in the church, and, 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 and it's wrong. And we're tearing each other down, clowning joking around about things that we shouldn't be joking around about. Joking around about some stuff like, bro, we shouldn't be joking about that. Maybe in Northern California it's that way, not here, amen. So we got to be examples in how we joke around, right? There's nothing wrong with having fun as long as it's holy. Not holy smokes. <laughs> example setters in paying your tithes. Hello, somebody. Hello. Your faithfulness to come to church. How you serve in the ministry you lead or you serve in. How you talk about others in the church. Are you gossiping? They're hearing everything. How you talk about the vision. How you talk about your pastors. And the list goes on and on and on. Listen to me. They're watching everything. They're hearing everything. And listen to me. This is the truth. 
regardless of what the Bible says, they're going to follow your example even more than following the Word of God. I know the Bible says this, but my pastor or my leader does this. So it must be okay. They do it. And so what are they doing? They're watering down sin in their lives and justifying it by the conviction or the lifestyle of their leader. <laughs> they do it. So it must be okay. I know the Bible says it, or it's kind of a gray area. But they do it, so it must be okay. And you know they take it way further. They, they, they do what you do, and then some. Okay, praise God. This is why we need to strive to be above reproach. Can you say amen? Last thing I want to touch on real quickly, and this is the last. I'm not going to, I'm not. Jesus, major part of his discipleship was teaching the word of God. And this is the last thing real quickly. I'm going to touch this fast. I have so much I want to share, but it's okay. I want to respect time, and I know you want to eat burritos, amen? But teaching the Word of God is a major part of Jesus' discipleship. Listen to me. Jesus was the ultimate small group leader. He had constantly had his small group. And he was constantly teaching the disciples and imparting their lives. Listen to me. I'm going to put a challenge out to all of you right now. Here's a reality. Every single one of you, if you're a leader, which you are, should be leading a small group. And if you're not leading one, you should be asking your pastors, how can I be prepared so I can lead one? Every single one of you should be leading a small group if you don't lead one. And, and it doesn't have to be uh, 20, 30, 40 people. It could be just one or two people. We're focused on the one. In our ministry, we have tons of them. We're constantly challenging them. That's the backbone of our ministry. And we have them in over many, many cities. And, 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 and it, because it's the backbone of what we do. It's all in those small groups. We are, again, I told you, a culture of discipleship. There's constant discipleship. And discipleship can't even really take place unless you meet with somebody that you're discipling at least one time or a couple times a week in a time where you're sharing and teaching God's Word. If we're going to do it according to the way Jesus did it. Right? And so what I'm saying is this. And this is how we do it in ours. When we have small groups too, A, like, we also have the vision of raising them an assistant for many reasons. One, he can cover for you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if you if if you have if you're sick or whatever something's going on, but also to eventually they go start one. We tell them like, look, if you've been in our Bible study for a year, like, okay, two years, it's like, okay, you've been here too long, dude. You've been here too long, bro. Like, you got to go start one. You've been you've been here too long. That's the truth. Like, way too long. Two years, bro. We ain't camping out here, bro. You know what I'm saying? You know, you, you need to go start one. And what we do <clears throat> is we not only have just co-ed Bible studies, we have women's Bible studies, there's marriage Bible studies, there's uh, there are all kinds of Bible studies. And they're literally from Monday through Saturday. We literally have Bible studies all throughout the week. You know what I'm saying? Uh, because, and what we do is we just kind of eliminate people's excuses. You know what I mean? Well, I can't make one. Oh, we got one that day. You know what I'm saying? We got one that day. You know what I'm saying? We got them every day. You know what I'm saying? You just don't go because you don't want to go, right? You know what I'm saying? Right? <clears throat> but here's the reality. Because of the culture that's been set, I, by the grace of God, I would say, and this is, this, is, this is a truth. This is not a lie. I would say about 90% of our people are in a small group. And we're talking about a couple hundred folks. 90% of our people are in a small group. That's 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 unheard of. Because it's 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 a culture and it reproduces itself. That makes sense? And again, I'm not saying any of these things 
to think we're something. We are nothing. And I, and I don't say that with false humility. I mean that from the depths of my being. I am nothing. We are nothing. We're no one special. We, we, we're just sticking to the script. And I'm here to tell you today, it works. Just follow the simple plan. It works. Amen? And so I, I hope this encouraged you guys. And, and um, I, I have so much more to say. I really did. But but I want, uh, can I get five memories? I just want to make sure I honor this. this. This is five minutes. This is all I want to do. Not preaching, but five minutes just to open it up. You have some questions. I like to do that. Please ask some questions. Anybody have questions? Anything? No? Don't be shy. Don't be scared. We family. Anybody want to ask a question? No? We can close it, but I just want to be asking questions. Or what spoke to you? Or what ministered to you? How can we help you? We come here to help you guys. Amen. We want to be a blessing to you guys. Anybody? Yeah, look at this. 